everybody. Welcome to the second episode in KexCNC's podcast series, Global Thinking. My name's Dominic Laurie, former broadcaster at the BBC and now a director in our London office. The COVID-19 crisis is the focus for almost every company on the planet. That's true for media organizations as much as anyone else. At very few times in modern human history has the news agenda been dominated by a single story for so long. Now, this poses great challenges for news organizations geared towards entertaining readers and viewers through diverse stories. Moreover, outlets are having to tell that single story under very difficult working conditions. In this podcast, we'll discuss how the nature of a story has changed, the stresses of the move from physical to virtual newsrooms, and whether how, if at all, this crisis has changed the face of news forever. With me today are three journalists from three different parts of the world. Joe Miller, Frankfurt correspondent for the Financial Times. Nadine Harney, business anchor at Al Arabiya based in Dubai. And Surya Bhattacharya, who's a financial markets reporter with the Wall Street Journal in Tokyo. Welcome to all of you and thank you for giving us your time. How difficult has it been to do your job? Joe, start with you. Joe Miller from the FT in Frankfurt. How difficult has it been? Um, well, actually, there have been some pros and, and some cons. I mean, one of the big pros is that you don't wake up every morning wondering what your competitors are doing. You know, they're also in their home office somewhere um, with about as much access to sources as, as you have. Um, and so that part of it has been slightly um, calming, I suppose. Um, but one thing that's been incredibly difficult is not to be able to meet people for for lunch, um, for coffee, um, to do in-person interviews or even just background chats. And it's not that you can't do that over the phone. It's not that you can't do that over Zoom. It's just that there are all of these human ticks that you miss um, that actually I only realized once this crisis hit and once I was confined to home office, um, how much you get from those little sort of human clues, the hesitations, the pauses um, that tell you something about the mood of a person, the mood of a company, um, and, and they give you a real insight. And that's been missing. And that sort of color, that kind of um, a real sort of temperature testing has, has, has really been lacking. And I can't wait to get that back, really. And you can't get that from Microsoft Teams or Zoom or Skype? No, I mean, work. on a very simple level, you don't, you're not sure if someone pauses, for example, whether it's because of the software or a pause in their thought or a pause. Because you've asked a good question. Yeah, exactly. Um, it really is a problem. Nadine, is that the same for you? You're, you're in the broadcast arena. I guess you've got all these massive logistical issues as well that come with broadcast news. Well, that's right. Actually, the news never stops, as you know. So we had to continue doing our job. And in our case, it wasn't working from home the whole time because as a news organization, you have to maintain a, a certain number of employees running the news from the building. So actually, um, we had to keep on going. But I totally agree with Joe. For me, one of the main issues was sourcing the news. Normally, you hear a piece of information when having coffee with a friend, uh, with uh, with uh, people from, in my case, the banking sector, the financial industry, and this aspect has been missing. So, this, I mean, I, I can't agree more. For me, um, even though you make it a point to keep in touch with people, it's different when you are actually meeting them in a social setting and you're picking up stories and uh, a lead, let's say, uh, in order to uh, to dig up more info and, and turn it into a story. On top of that, I would say as a mother, I think uh, I had to juggle as well online learning for my child because schools decided even for smaller classes to keep on the online learning thing going from home. And me and my husband, we were both working and we really had to juggle uh, between our work and also having to stay with our with our son for his online classes. 
So, uh, yeah, and for me, I was dividing my time between home and going to the office. So we were working in shifts. I would say that the, the stress level was a little bit higher than normal on top of the logistical um, problems of, of having to go to the office when there's a complete lockdown, uh, which we lived through here in Dubai. Yeah. Surya Bhattacharya from the WSJ in Tokyo. Um, Nadine talks about maintaining performance. How can you do that when personally, as a you know, as a human being, you may not feel, be feeling 100%, but the WSJ comes out every day and they expect news from you, they expect the news from Japan. How do you do it? <laughs> well, we're still under a state of emergency here, which means we can only go out for certain things or are, or are requested not to go out for very many things, which means I haven't worked in an office in, in almost two months. It, it takes twice as long to get a story out because you've got to wait for the other person to get back to you. And who knows what they're dealing with? I mean, they have their own share of struggles and challenges as we hear from other people. So we have that. Finding detail, scene and color is like, you know, trying to squeeze um, a drop of water from a stone or however that saying goes. I mean, there's you can't conjure that stuff up writing from home, strictly just writing from home and reporting from home. That's very difficult. So what have you replaced it with? I've replaced it with hours upon hours of calls and video calls with people to get a sense of their stories and to have them tell me their backgrounds and, you know, pick up on little details and nuances of things like what books are they reading or what holidays they went on or, you know, other things that reflect their life or reflect their decisions that they've made. You mentioned there that um, people that you're calling are in the same boat. I found that that's actually one of the few pluses is there seems to be some form of solidarity now between um, journalists and and some of their sources. Um, And so people who were somewhat reluctant to talk to me very regularly until um, the lockdown uh, now send me memes on WhatsApp about the lockdown and how difficult it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to care for children, etc., and so I've actually, um, you know, developed closer relationships with a, with a few sources over this sort of, you know, um, combined uh, situation that we're in. It was funny actually that people you haven't met in such a long time started sending you hello because people had more time staying at home. Oh, absolutely. We're at an interesting moment in this because we've we've had the the sort of the public health crisis, hopefully reached its peak, starting to abate. You all, all three of you, you work for. Um, you know, financial news outlets by and large. Do you have a sense that we're about to see a huge story over the next two or three years of of, of economic hardship, of of a, of a depression, of a of, of a recession? Is there a story that's just about to come that you're gearing yourselves up for? It's already here. Unfortunately, the news just keeps on getting more negative because we do the business news. We we covered the financial news. So on top of the, the the story of the number of people infected, the number of deaths, unfortunately, you have to deal with the economic fallout. And I think that uh, we we are already there. Um, unfortunately, our stories have been uh, three types of stories lately. Uh, the damage resulting from the COVID-19 crisis, the stimulus package, if you want to call it stimulus, or what governments are trying to do, and they are they are still... Uh, I mean, they're doing one thing. It's like trial and error. They're doing one thing and then it doesn't work. And then they, they try to do something else, especially here in the Arab world. And the third story is opening up. How are you going to open up the economy? And also, there is no uh, handbook for that. So uh, it's also you see that in some places they try to open up and then the damage comes back. The the, the numbers go go back up again and then they reverse their steps. So 
Um, for us, these have been the three major themes that we have been covering. And unfortunately, we started hearing of many bankruptcies of companies having to lay off employees. The, the governments here are putting rules in place to, to try to regulate that. How do companies deal with uh, decreasing salaries for people or making them redundant? Are there temporary steps that they can do? But we've been talking to a lot of CEOs, a lot of ministers, and really it's um, it's so vague. Nobody can describe what is the shape of the recovery, if any, after this. How long will it take? I think still there's a lot of um, uncertainty uncertainty out there. This is going to stay with us for a long time. Surya, would you agree with that? Um, yes, absolutely. And to add to that, the financial markets have been all over the place, you know, whether they're reacting to the latest vaccine news or the latest, you know, tussle between countries, all of which... Uh, will have a lasting impact in the years to come. And, I mean, the other thing is, you know, Japan in itself has been in a form of stagnation recession for decades now. And the the worry here amongst investors is that we managed to sell out, we managed to not sell out, but we managed to, you know, go global and sell our products and, and you know, in our search for yield abroad, managed to, like, capture all these markets that were growing. And now everyone around Japan is falling. And there's real worry here that it was one thing when you were in recession and you had other markets around you that were thriving. But again, what's the rule book when everyone's in some form of a collapse or the other? We don't know yet what the impact is, but we do know there's going to be a lasting impact. Joe, are you seeing a lot of uncertainty with your contacts in the European financial system? They know it's going to be serious, but a lot of a lack of visibility on how serious and in what way. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking that I tweeted the other day that I can't wait to write a story that uh, doesn't contain the word warns in the headline or, or warning. Uh, but I think there'll be a very long time until I'm able to do that. Um, and what's really, really interesting is that when all of this started, or at least when it started to you know, be a story in Europe that was sort of right at the beginning of March. Um, CEOs were coming out one after the other and telling us that, you know, this uh, it doesn't speak to any um, fundamental problem with the wider economy and it'll be a so-called V-shaped recovery. We'll come in and out of this uh, into lockdown and out of lockdown and the economy will rebound. And over the past few weeks, all of those people have gone completely silent. You can't find anyone who really believes that anymore. Um, and um, while they're very reluctant to forecast what the next few years will look like, I think what people are most scared of is once governments turn off the taps, which they will have to do eventually, what happens then? Um, and in particular, I think the thing that's worrying most of the CEOs on my beat, and to be honest, just anecdotally, what I feel is that um, the demand, just consumer demand, won't won't pick up after this, that people are permanently changed, um, that they won't make any sort of discretionary purchases for a very, very long time. And I don't really know, and I don't think anyone really has any idea of how to, to revive that and how to bring that back. I'd like to talk to you about audiences and how they've changed. Has there been any demand from audiences for non-coronavirus stories? It's interesting, Nadine, you were telling us that there were three types of stories out there at the moment, and they were all related to coronavirus. Are you covering anything non-coronavirus at the moment? Well, in our case, the oil story was massive. I don't know if you want to link it to corona, uh, the, to COVID-19. Oil has always been a story that we cover, but specifically with the decline in prices that happened. And as, as you know, we are uh, we are a channel that caters to uh, Arab audiences and the, the GCT region. The, the economies are very much connected to what happens uh, to the oil price. 
And with oil prices turning negative last month um, and the fallout from that, we, we heard the Minister of Finance of Saudi Arabia came on our show and announced uh, the belt tightening that's going to happen as a result of that. So oil was really a major story. Part of it is linked to the, to the demand um, depletion with, the, uh, with the COVID-19 and part of it was the supply side story as well. So for us, that was a story. Um, Trump is always a story, regardless of COVID-19 or not. Uh, this is someone the audiences can't get enough of, and you always have to cover what's going on uh, in that sense. But I would say that you're right. There wasn't a lot of room for, for other types of stories. Everything revolves around what's going to happen next. For example, now, as you know, we live in the UAE, uh, Emirates Airlines uh, and Etihad are major, major companies here, uh, and uh, nobody knows the future of air travel. We're trying to, to talk to them. We're trying to talk um, to people in the, in the airline industry to see how will this, uh, how, will we ever go back to flying the way we did before? So this has been a story also, but in a way, it's all connected. There wasn't any room for anything else right now. It's interesting, Joe, where, where you and I used to work at the BBC, you go on their front page, um, the website, and full of COVID stories, but they're making a specific effort as well to provide a certain amount of very, very different stories, which are kind of evergreen human interest stories that they obviously feel that readers need some sort of antidote. Are you finding that at the FT? Yeah, actually, at the beginning, it was all um, either COVID or oil. And, and um, you know, we've benefited from a huge surge in subscribers off the back of this um, crisis. Um, but um, in the last few weeks, it's begun to taper off, and the interest in the sort of very heavy, big, um, oh, things are terribly awful stories is beginning to to wane. And actually, um, the, it's funny that you ask this question now. Uh, I had a look um, just before we came on at the stats, and um, the uh, most read story that I've done over the past few weeks is now a story I did last week, which is about a good old-fashioned uh, scandal at Volkswagen involving a so-called uh, racist advert. Um, and so people seem to have appetite for things other than COVID now. Surya, was, are you seeing that, that perhaps there's a, a an opening for non-coronavirus stories? I mean, you are in the Far East, um, <laughs> where perhaps that, that, is, that is the part of the world that is leading the recovery. Are you, so therefore, are you seeing that in your region, there is a demand now for, for something else? Um, yes. I mean, to begin with, we, we've been living under the specter of the coronavirus long before it swept the world, and we could almost see it sweeping the world in real time as it sort of crossed over oceans and, you know, and the infection rate soared in countries around the world. And we saw other countries rushing to lockdown in some form of, or, or the other. And even here, I think, in Asia especially, we started to see an appetite for different kinds of stories, whether the human interest stories, whether they're corporate, strictly corporate earnings stories, um, much earlier uh, than some of the other um, other continents, so to speak. And, you know, now we have the Hong Kong protests, um, and then we have, you know, Taiwan, uh, and then we always have North Korea at our doorstep. So those are stories that may or may not be linked to coronavirus. And these are stories that were that were happening um, before coronavirus, and I think will continue to matter. And these are the kinds of stories um, that keep coming up and that people are, are looking to read about as well. If I could ask you one thing that you'll take from this crisis into your reporting into the future, perhaps it's an image, what would it be? I mean, the one thing that I will 
I think that will stick with me for the longest is how quickly things changed. And for me, it was one particular figure with one particular company. And it was uh, Lufthansa saying uh, in the middle of um, March, I think, or even uh, early April, um, that they had 10 billion euros worth of fleet of 700 or so planes that they owned that they could borrow against. And in the space of a few weeks, that's become worthless, absolutely worthless. Um, and um, just to, to keep in mind that, you know, things can really, really change very quickly and you should never take the status quo as, as, the, uh, as, the, as a given, really. Interesting. Nadine Harney uh, at Al Arabiya in Dubai, what will you take moving forward into your reporting into the future? I think um, the, the one thing that I couldn't stop thinking of during this crisis is how we were in Davos a few months back talking about fourth industrial revolution, the, the advancement in technology, how it's going to change the world. And then one pandemic hits and we're all sitting at home exactly the way our our grandparents did in previous pandemics. I think the healthcare sector needs to do a lot of catching up to what's going on in other sectors, or our perception of things needs to change. Um, for me, this has been really, I mean, unacceptable that we don't have procedures in place to deal with something like that, that all the countries, there wasn't a leader in the world who did the right thing. And that for me, that's going to stay with me a long time. When I hear someone talking about 3D printing or whatever um, they're very optimistic of. I would say, I mean, look at the healthcare sector, put things, put procedures in place so that we don't have to live like that uh, again. So there is a massive dysfunctional thing going on in the world which needs to be dealt with. And Surya Bhattacharya from the WSJ in Tokyo, what will you take forward? I think to us again, once again, going back to the question of because we came into this early we had absolutely no idea what was going on at that point. You know, the things that we know about the virus now in hindsight, I mean, what we were dealing with at that point, the, you know, to answer questions as simple as why is this happening was so difficult, so confounding. And to take a step back and to just simply study something as simple as the structure of a coronavirus was just mind-blowing to me because you just you couldn't reach across the aisle. You couldn't reach across to the rest of the world and be like, hey, you guys, does anyone else know anything about what's going on? We didn't have that um, that privilege at that time to do that. And to me, my biggest takeaway was that answer the simplest questions first. Like, why is this happening? How is it happening? Why are so many people getting sick on a cruise ship? You know, without just taking answers for granted from people you think who are in authority to answer those questions because guess what even they at that time didn't know what was going on and on a lighter note did you ever think that you would ever do an interview inside your children's tent <laughs> in your apartment i hope you don't mind me revealing to listeners today that that's exactly where you are right now to top it off i've put him down for a nap so you have three more minutes to go before the, before hell breaks loose again that's a great cue to finish thank you so much surya Bhattacharya from the wsj nadine harney from al arabia joe miller from the ft thank you all so much for your time now if you want to listen to other episodes go to our website kexcnc.com you can subscribe to our newsletter and please also listen out for the next episode thank you so much for tuning in